2: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Petri Wine brings you... Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce and the few adventures of Sherlock Holmes. The Petri family, the family that took time to bring you good wine... Invite you to listen to Dr. Watson tell us another exciting adventure he shared with his old friend, that master detective, Sherlock Holmes. And I'd like to ask you a short, simple question. Have you ever tried a glass of sherry before dinner? If you haven't, you'll never know what you're missing till you do. And make that sherry Petri California sherry. Because Petri sherry is the best beginning a good meal ever had. Just hold a glass of Petri sherry to the light. Look at its wonderful, clear, amber color. Now just get a whiff of that aroma. Bouquet, the experts call it. I'm telling you, you can just smell those big, luscious grapes. Now, best of all, taste your Petri Sherry. Sip it. Sip it slowly so you don't miss one single drop of this truly delicious wine. Yes, without a doubt, Petri Sherry is good wine. Oh, and incidentally, Petri makes two kinds of Sherry. Regular Sherry and Petri Pale Dry. Both are fine. And if you're not sure which might like best, do what I do. Don't buy one, buy two. Try them both. And serve them proudly because the name Petri is the proudest name in the history of American wines. And now I'm sure our good friend and host, Dr. Watson, is waiting, so let's go and join him. Good evening, Monty. Good evening, Mr. Bartell. Here, down, down, Monty. Down, down there. Dogs seem very chipper tonight.
3: Yes, tonight, yes. But they've been in disgrace most of the day, Mr. Bartell.
2: Oh, what have they been up to? After the seals again? Doctor? No,
3: my boy. This time it was chickens. They got into my neighbor's coop and had a delightful time. Fortunately, there were no casualties, but I'm afraid that my uh, <laughs> my good neighbor policy has suffered a slight diplomatic strain. But you've come here to listen to Sherlock Holmes' adventures, not those of my dog. so uh, draw up your usual chair and make yourself comfortable, and uh, I'll get on with tonight's story.
2: Last week, Doctor, you told us it was a case in which Sherlock Holmes found the solution without ever meeting any of the suspects.
3: That's quite correct, Mr. Bartell. As remarkable as an exhibition of long-distance detection as I ever recall. But uh, judge the story for yourself, my boy. It was in the autumn of 1903, and... Sherlock Holmes was about to retire to his bee farm on the Sussex Downs. I must confess, Mr. Bartell, that my heart was heavy during those last few weeks we spent at Baker Street. I thought of the countless adventures that we'd shared together. I remembered those many evenings of quiet comradeship and companionship. A fire blazing away in the hearth as Holmes lay back in the shadows playing his beloved violin. And then, Mr. Bartell, as so often happened, there'd be a violent jangle on our doorbell and some wretched soul in misery would be standing before us and pouring out his troubles. Suddenly the violin would be discarded, and Holmes the Dreamer would become Holmes, the man of action. Come, Watson, the game's afoot, he'd say. And in a few moments later, we'd be rattling off in a cab through the foggy, ghastly London streets.
2: Yes, Doctor, I can imagine it was pretty hard for you to leave Baker Street.
3: It was, Mr. Bartell. However, as it transpired, there was one more adventure awaiting us before we left. A few days before the actual move, I persuaded Holmes to take an afternoon off from his packing and accompany me on a visit to the laboratory of an old friend of mine, a Professor Jean Boulin. He was an eminent French scientist engaged in very important work at the London University. Oh, by the way, this was at a period, Mr. Bartell, when radium was something extremely new and extremely rare. The university had just acquired a minute but invaluable portion of the element, and Professor Boulin was in charge of the research connected with it. I can remember the picture so well, as Holmes stood in the laboratory talking with keen interest with a distinguished side. Amazing, Professor Boulin.
0: Quite amazing. Think that this tiny leaden vessel contains one of the most precious substances in the world.
1: Yes, Mr. Holmes. We have a great deal to thank Madame Curie for. This new element may force us entirely to revise our concepts of all physical structure.
3: Your research is a great responsibility, Buller.
1: It is, Watson. So I must confess that I wish the authorities here would give me a freer hand. I foresee such infinite possibilities in the use, particularly the medical use of radium. But my conservative superiors seem to regard it only as a toy, a scientific curiosity. Limit your experiments accordingly, I suppose. Exactly given no opportunity to do anything that's, in the least, radical.
3: Mm. must be very disheartening. How can research ever get anywhere along those lines? It is a great misfortune, Orms,
1: that you've determined to retire to your beef farm. <laughs> uh, this project, we could use such an analytical mind as yours. <laughs> you flatter me, Professor. How
3: many assistants do you have working with you, Buller?
1: Three, but none of them are very inspired, I'm afraid. What? My best assistant is a man in Barker. He's a little on the conservative side, too. But he is extremely adroit. The other two, a young man called Taylor and the girl Gladys Hughes. They mean well. But gauche, I fear, is the only word to describe them. Why do you laugh, uh, I was just amused to observe that in describing my assistants, I chanced to be literal as well as figurative. It's odd that random symbolism can sometime... Uh, uh, but never mind that. You would like to see the, the laboratory. Yes, yes, indeed, we yes, would. Thank you very I much. I have some extraordinarily interesting photographic plates that record the emanations of radium. They're over here. I think you will find them most fascinating. <laughs>
0: Baker Street, particularly when our rooms are full of packing cases, seems rather drab after the scientific stimulations of Professor Boulin's laboratory. And don't it, old chap?
3: Yes, it seemed drab even if we hadn't been to see him. i feel frightfully depressed, Holmes. I just don't know what I'm going to do without you. Oh, you're still a young man, Watson, and a
0: susceptible one. You'll marry again. No, no, I won't. (laughs) You will, old chap. And you'll end up by being glad that your old roommate, your difficult, rather unsociable old roommate is living in retirement on the Sussex Downs.
3: Rubbish. I shan't feel anything of the kind. In any case, I don't think you'll be able to stay in retirement for long. Your mind is much too alert to be satisfied by being a sort of midwife to a bunch of beastly bees. Oh, dear Watson.
0: <laughs> I feel that you'll never eat honey again.
3: Yes, you can laugh, Holmes, but I could see how excited you were when Bull suggested that you might help him with his radium experiment. Well, flattering suggestion, I must admit,
0: my dear fellow, just the same, I... Oh. Now, who the devil's
3: that? From the urgency of the tug on the bell pull, I'd say that it was a client. Then go and head him off, will you, old chap? Yes, I'll, I'll do my best. Oh, uh, Watson, again, that I'm no longer in practice. It's Too late, Holmes. He's pressed past Mrs. Hudson. Here he comes rushing up the stairs. Oh, confound it. I beg your pardon, sir, but... Are you, you uh, Sherlock go... Holmes? Uh, no, I am not sure. Then you must be Mr. Holmes.
0: That is my name, sir. But may I ask what accounts for your rather whirlwind entrance? My housekeeper, Mrs. Hudson... I constru- haven't any time to consider oh. etiquette. My sister Gladys Hughes has vanished. Vanished mm-hmm. into thin air. You've got to find her for me, Mr. Holmes. I'll pay you any fee you name, but you've got to find uh, her. Mr. Hughes, I'm extremely sorry that your sister has vanished, but I'm afraid that I can do nothing to help you. I'm retiring. I'm giving up my practice. If you won't okay. help me, I'll go to someone who will. That's exactly what I mean, sir. I suggest that you go to the police, or if you insist on a private investigator, I can strongly recommend Mr. Martin Hewitt. Yes. His address is um, 39 Pont Street, Knightsbridge. Good day to you. Uh, good day, Mr. Hughes. 36
1: Pont Street, Knightsbridge.
0: <clears throat> As I can not stand his concern, but his manners need a great deal to be desired.
3: Holmes, Holmes. Janice Hughes, his missing sister, that was the name of one of Professor Bullard's assistants, wasn't
0: it? True, old fellow, but it's uh, probably only a coincidence. What? Both Christian and surnames are extremely common ones.
3: Well, I... I have a feeling that it may not be a coincidence. (laughs) Oh,
0: oh, oh, come now, my dear fellow. Don't you try and embroil me in a fresh adventure. I've retired and I'm leaving for Sussex in a few days. And if any more clients come wrenching at my doorbell, I shall ignore them. But, Mr. Holmes, you've got to help me. My son, Geoffrey Barker, has disappeared. I'm sorry, Mrs. Barker, but I'm afraid I'm... Holmes,
3: Geoffrey Barker was the name of Professor (laughs) Bullard's
0: chief assistant. Uh, Watson, please believe me when I say that I am not to be inveigled into any further... Oh, Mrs. Taylor, I'm sorry, but I can't help
2: you. Oh, but, Mr. Holmes, it's my husband. He's disappeared. We, we've only been married three months, and now, oh, it's terrible. I, I've been so worried ever since he started to work on that strange new radium with Professor Jean. Holmes,
3: oh. you can't pretend it's coincidence any longer. Gladys Hughes, Geoffrey Barker, and now Taylor, the three assistants of Professor Bullard. Now, I know it, Watson,